0: We're here, let's do it
1: Let's get this started Welcome everyone to episode 7 Or episode John Elway for our Denver Broncos
0: GoldenEye 007 Of
1: the Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for Geometics professionals Uh, Quick plug, Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers That of course is uh, Crumb I freaking love that song It gets me amped up every single time I hear it Um, I missed them last week, they played Unfortunately, the lovely Megan and I were at the cult show. and oh, at missed the State out Fair. At the State Fair, yeah. Lots of stories there, of course. Uh, but I am going to go see them tonight after the podcast at Chopper John's. Free plug, don't get used to it. They are having a CD release party, and uh, I'm totally looking forward to it, catching up with those guys. If you I'm miss- having
0: uh, Carol Pasty withdrawals. If you miss two shows in a row, does she cut us off from using the song?
1: Uh, we haven't had those conversations. Okay.
0: We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see tonight. Tell her, I only missed one.
1: Yep, exactly. And of course, Social Hall here at Studio One, the, uh, the international headquarters for the Geoholics. Happy to be here. A uh, couple things about Social Hall. They just released a new uh, happy hour menu, and they brought back... Carnitas, tacos, and nachos is my understanding. That's a big deal because people were complaining. And it's also worth mentioning that they are a top-shelf Coyotes bar, so anytime there's a Coyotes game on, come by here, check it out, and there'll be drink specials. Uh, We're on Tuesday, so it's currently uh, half-off Whiskey Tuesdays, which, of course, we took advantage of. And tomorrow being Wednesday, this is always a challenge for Ryan, but tomorrow is the $10 Wednesday special where you get the – Hamburger and craft beer for 10 bucks. So come check out Social Hall, northeast corner of University of McClintock. Let's catch up with the fellas. Uh, Producer Jake, you've got something to say, I'm sure. Geez, I mean, it's because of you that we had to miss a week. Yeah. So tell everybody why we had to miss a week.
2: So took a cruise, um, took a flight up to Vancouver. So started up in Canada and it was like a seven night Pacific Coast cruise down from Vancouver to L.A. Not a big um, deal. Not a big deal. Stopping in uh, Victoria, British Columbia, which is the first time I went there and absolutely loved that place. Super cool. I got to go back. Um, our Seattle stop got canceled. So that was kind of weird. Right when we got on the boat, they're like, yeah, c- customs, border patrol, whatever. They say there's too many people. It's going to take too long. We can't cop it, stop at Seattle. So that was kind of weird. But, you, um, uh, did you think it was terrorist? I, I have no clue what it was. We asked around, but then, I mean, everyone was really upset about it. So we're
0: well, coming from Vancouver. There's probably a lot of drugs coming down.
2: I, I don't is legal know. There, I, I maybe think, the well,
1: drugs and curlers.
2: I think the concern was <laughs> is that there's so many people on the boat that it would just take way too long to go through customs. So, um, gotcha. and then San Francisco, which is awesome, one of my favorite places. Alcatraz. This is like my third or fourth time going. Of course, um, it is super cool. I uh, got to learn some new things there. Um, then ends in L.A. So just a little trip, uh, week off from work, week off from the podcast. But uh, I actually just checked my phone, and I don't know how this keeps happening, but I was looking at our total downloads. Right here, I'll even screenshot it. Seven oh one total. Total. So every time we <laughs> just record, over seven hundred. That's th- awesome. This, this, every week, it's a hundred a week. It's very like it hits that that time that mark every time. So
1: so we, what that tells me is we need to double our uh, our
0: uh, marketing social
2: yeah. media efforts and exponential growth. Yes, we got we, we, we need got two hundred a
0: week. Let's that's our next goal. Yeah, we got to get those fringe listeners.
1: Fringe mm-hmm. listeners, exactly. Uh, fantastic. How about you, uh, Super Chief?
0: Uh, you know, last Tuesday, I caught myself talking to the wall. I had nothing to do. It was you know, terrible. <laughs> 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 I, I had to do something to get it out of my system. I hope I didn't use it all up before today. But, uh, you know, I went over, up to Flagstaff twice in one week. And everybody says it's poverty with a view up there because there's no job or pay. that, And the, the median house in, uh, cost is $380,000 up there right now. Is it really? Yeah. So, so,
1: that's a lot of people having, like, second homes up there. Yes. Over, and, and there's or,
0: and there's just not enough supply for the people up there. Oh, and I see. And then the students, obviously, living in the, the dorms and the housing they have, but they're also looking off campus. And it's just overwhelming right now.
1: Well, next year when it's 120 here, mm-hmm. we need to do a remote from uh, Flagstaff.
0: I am... A, A-okay with that. Just like 70 up there. We went golfing up there. It was so nice. Like, you hit the ball, and it actually stops in the grass. It doesn't just roll through the straw. Nice. It's a whole different game up there.
1: So I'm sure you were screwed?
0: I I had my team of ringers, and uh, somehow we came in second place again. (laughs) Always a bridesmaid.
1: Always a bridesmaid. It never
0: works out, but, you know, what are you going to do? We'll we'll keep trucking, and uh, we'll get one of those first-place trophies soon enough. Absolutely. you got to cheat a little more. I get the honest guys with the scorecard. That's a problem.
1: <laughs> Speaking of golf, uh, kudos to Kareem Dada from Aztec. Those guys put on one hell of an outing a couple of Fridays ago. Ryan and I, well, Ryan invited me. I don't know why, because I suck, but we played at the Terry Borling Golf Outing, and it was fantastic. Excellent Great time. outing. Um, like I said, Kareem and his, uh, his, his, uh, uh, his staff just did a fantastic job putting that out. I think it's, what, 36? 36 foursomes. Yeah, they
0: sell it out. It's, it's AMB. 18 on times hole. two. 36? Yep. yep. It, it's, perfect. It's, it's Every year it's like that. And it's a party with uh, some golf involved.
1: And you know how I know it's a good golf outing? Because the next day I'm driving my car and I hear some stuff rolling around the back. So I open it up. I'm like, what the? F- I got two logs in the back of my car. That yeah,
0: <laughs> this guy thought it was a good idea to literally take like gigantic logs that he found on the course
1: what made not it? gigantic they were they were, were, like they were like, hefty they like were typical heavy firewood logs
0: okay whatever he's saying double it
1: and the reason i did that is because my my stepfather he's like one of the craftiest human beings i know and he's now making vases out of these logs so they had to be a certain size and i think the logs that we selected are going to be perfect so we'll get a vase made for each of our each of our lovely wives. <laughs> for and, dealing uh, with us. And, yeah, for dealing with <laughs> us and we're gonna be great. So but so it was one hell of a good time. Did you for just sure. forget
2: that they were in the back of the car? Or you forget you picked I, them up? I just didn't even think about it. And I just heard them rolling around
1: back there and I went and looked, I'm like, Holy shit. I forgot about these freaking locks. Firewood in the back of my golf car. golf
0: tournaments, by the time you're done, it's like five, six hours. Oh, my goodness. I just leave everything in my trunk, oh, and then exactly. I discover it the next time exactly. I'm golfing. I'm like, oh, this is all back here still. You're going through
1: your bag, and you're finding all this crap. Yeah,
0: uh, it, That's half the fun. Yeah, exactly. The morning after. And we didn't even come close to anything on that one. Exactly.
1: Cool. Um, so, moving right along, our safety share for this episode is Construction Zone Awareness. Um I just got word this past week about uh, an, an accident that happened in a construction zone in Jacksonville, where uh, one there was one fatality and a couple guys got um, severely injured. Um, with you know they get injuries are going to be dealing with for the rest of their lives. So it just made me think about construction zone awareness. Um, did a little research and found out that there were 710 fatal crashes. Um, in in 2018, in construction zones, and that's not accidents because accidents could be anything, you know, like just workers getting killed by their own, you know, equipment or whatever. This is physical. This is actually you know cars getting in crashes, not like a heart attack on the job. Not like a heart attack, yeah. So and that was up seven percent from 2017. And I looked at 2017, 2016, and that was up like 8%. So it's so a steady it's increase. It's trending in the wrong direction. So everybody, pay attention when you're driving. I mean, obviously when you're driving at all times, but you know, especially in construction zones because there's a number of people that listen to this podcast that work in those zones every single day and we want to see them get home to their families safe and sound um, just like we all do. So be safe out there, folks our guest today on that positive Uh, note super excited about this one yeah I'm, i'm fascinated by by this guy's bio so we have uh nathan gardner we call him nate with us this evening he's uh he's a surveyor he's been surveying for gosh 27 years uh registered in arizona and oregon um in fact he was born in portland oregon and there's some interesting stuff here so let me run through this stuff real quick and I think you guys will find it intriguing as well. He grew up mostly in southern Mexico. His parents were uh, Bible translators with the, uh, is it Wycliffe or Wycliffe? Wycliffe. Wycliffe missionaries. Yeah. So they they just, they just moved all the time, like every three months. That's crazy. Uh, I, obviously, as a result, he was a non-traditional student, but he still managed to achieve uh, two associates and a Bachelor's of Science in Technology Management. He graduated from uh, NAU, which is Northern Arizona University. For those of you listening, not in the great state of Arizona, summa cum laude. Do I don't even know how to say summa that. That's why laude. I'm
0: not that. Laude. I can't even say that. Summa. That's summa good, laude. right? Yeah. That yeah, means you're smart. Good. That's I, like That's like 3.8 to 4. I was uh, smart, four.
3: but I was able to get the grades. Get the grades. That's so. what Jake's
0: shooting for. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. yeah. And oh, the, yeah. yeah Through his two associates and his bachelor's, he's got. Over 190 credit hours. I think I'm kind of in that same boat. I've got one associates with 190 credit hours, so Nate's way ahead of me. Uh, married with four kids. Loves outdoor activities, mountain biking, dirt biking, four-by-fouring, camping, exploring. And I also know, he didn't he didn't mention it in his bio, but I do know that he likes a good cigar. That is true. That is true. He grew up... <laughs> this is. We got to get into this one. He grew up without running water or electricity. He grew up. He had adobe walls and an outhouse. It's Guess like I a dream should. come true. He did regular cowboy stuff like herding cattle, branding cattle. He fixed fences, built corrals and learned how to run bulldozers and loaders and scrapers. Jeez. Um, he's worked as a mechanic, a landscaper, equipment operator and a construction worker.
0: He's got some rough hands
1: I'm sure uh, the calluses. Uh, like I mentioned, he's registered in Arizona and Oregon and he's currently working on getting registered in California as well. Um, I've, I've looked into that before. it's tough. It, it is. is not easy and there's just it's steep it's a it's, steep climb. It's a whole nother world over there in a, man, a man, in many ways. Uh, he enjoys I can attest to this. he enjoys helping others learn about surveying and making the complicated simple. This is hilarious for the last three years he's presented at the AZ apwa conference which stands for arizona public works, works association. association and his presentation is titled pain-free serving during his presentation he dresses and scrubs and calls himself the survey doctor this is freaking awesome the intent of these talks is to help others mostly engineers and architects understand why scope and communication is so important while explaining survey procedures and challenges and finally he's a uh, united surveyors of arizona director and chair of the U.S. of AZ Boy Scout Merit Badge Committee. All that being said, Nate, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Quite the bio. I've been looking forward to this one uh, for a while. Once you agreed to come on, I was so excited. It's always fun to get to know the guests a little more and... uh, This is going to be a great one. I was going to say,
0: I feel like I know this guy pretty well from seeing him in a professional manner, but now we're getting in depth. Exactly. exactly. Now we'll get the good stuff out of it.
1: That's the beauty of this podcast. So let's, let's circle back to your childhood. Just let's touch briefly on that. I mean, you grew up remotely without modern amenities. Um, Tell us how, tell us a little bit about that. How was that?
3: I think it was a a fabulous growing up. It was a, uh, an incredible, uh, experience that I got to have uh, my brother and I have a, a younger brother and when we were in Mexico my parents were missionaries my my dad primarily was was translating the new testament into an indian dialect the chinantec dialect in in Oaxaca Mexico so down in the in the very southern part of Mexico and we would go out to this remote village that was out in the mountains and growing up they had no electricity and no running water and we had an outhouse and our house was adobe we did have a steel metal roof which about half of the people there had so i would uh, you know every time it would rain we'd get to hear the rain on the metal Mm. roof at night and stuff and some of the chores that my brother and I had were going and getting water every afternoon that we would use that evening for cooking and purifying and drinking and showers. Everything else—that's that's what we used our water for.
1: How old were you guys at this point in time? Like, what's what's your what's the the earliest memory that you have?
3: Oh, the, as early as I can remember. I think my parents had me in that in that environment at. Uh, a month old or oh, two oh months okay old. gosh okay so I grew up in that we then moved to the United States when I was 13 uh, we lived in Denver Colorado my parents uh, went back to school and uh, furthered their education so that they could go into other ministry activities and uh, I at, that was when I got the additional experiences during the summer I got to work on a ranch in Wyoming in the northeast corner of Wyoming and that's where I got to do all the cowboy stuff. And that's awesome. They also ran heavy equipment to build sites for oil rigs for exploration and then pumping. Hmm. And so at 13, 14 years old, I was running a D8 dozer and a scraper oh and you know the loaders, everything else. And, and those all those experiences, you know, building fence and riding, herding cattle, all those types of things I think really helped me help prepare me for a lot of other experiences that I had coming in life.
0: Now, myself included, I would consider myself entitled when I was a younger child. Did your four kids ever complain and you said, hold on, let, let me, let me give you a little schooling on uh, where I come from and what I experienced, or do you play I am, that, downplay that a little bit?
3: I would like to think I downplayed it, but I'm sure I, I, <laughs> I drove that point home on a few occasions. They I deserve mean, it. They yeah. deserve
0: it. Come on. Running water is, is a luxury.
3: Seriously. But I, <laughs> you know, I, I did entertain them with stories of our growing up from a, from a real, uh, when they were real young.
1: So at 13, driving around like a D8, you had to be like the coolest kid in school or the coolest kid on the farm, right? Not
3: on the farm because that was what we did.
1: What that was did. just
3: life. It that was cool. That was how life That's was. Just what, that was expected. That was expected. When I went back to denver for the school year it was fun to i yeah i could be the cool kid because i had those experiences
1: so those experiences i'm sure developed an unbelievable work ethic um in you and your brother alike and i mean i know obviously you're you're a surveyor but uh, i'm curious did your brother go into the ministry or anything like that no he is a engineer that works for the oil
3: companies okay uh It took him, we both struggled in school and we both, he got his degree a lot sooner than I did. His is in uh, welding and more on the metallurgy side. And so he is currently with his family in South Korea, uh, building one of the largest, if not the largest tension leg oil platform in the world. Oh, wow.
1: Yes. Interesting. So what about your childhood do you think put you on the path to becoming a land surveyor? Being outside a lot,
3: uh, growing up in that environment, especially in southern Mexico, uh, during those you know at that time there weren't the safety concerns. Uh, when we would finish our schooling for the day, my mom would turn my brother and I loose, and it was just be home by dark. And this is out in the mountains of Mexico. I mean, right. We could go wherever we wanted and and explore caves and streams and every everything else that we wanted to do. We would. We would hike and camp and do everything across the mountains, and so I learned how to read maps and terrain navigate at a really young age so that, because we would run out, we would go for, we would take camping trips that would last multiple days, and we would just have to find our way back. Like orienteering, but you didn't even know it. Correct. It was just something we grew up doing, and I think those, looking back now, I think those set the foundation for surveying. When I did get into surveying, one of the things I loved most is there was maps and you could be outside. It was like a perfect fit. Yes.
1: So what was your first surveying job? How did that happen?
3: Well, that's an interesting story. I was actually a landscaper when I got my first surveying job. I was doing landscaping, and our boss was friends with a gentleman who had his own survey company, and he needed some help. So my boss loaned me out to the other company (laughs) And they had a T two instrument, so the old transit instrument, and a tape. And we would do lot surveys. We would do lot or house layouts. We would do some topographic surveys that way. So my first experience in surveying was actually
1: pulling a tape with an old transit. Hey, that's the best way to get started. Yes, it's absolutely. so funny. You know, you got that as a result of being working for a landscaping company. Most of the time, well, now I've I've changed my approach, but. In the past, when people ask me what I do, and I say I'm a land surveyor, they're like, oh, you plant bushes and this, and that's so cool. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I've, I've stopped saying that. I say I'm a geomatics professional, which sounds so much more impressive Yeah. when you go into that. So.
0: Now, you were in Denver at 13, all yes. through high school? Correct. And then was that a direct transition yeah. to NAU, or how did you get from Denver to Flagstaff? What well, it was in was, between, and how long?
3: There, uh, It was a very long road. Okay, <laughs> I moved to Arizona about 30 years ago. So after high school, I went in the Army, uh, was in the Army Reserves and was based out of Denver. And then my family moved to Tucson. So I ended up moving to Tucson, and uh, built a home there and uh, s- started working, um, sort of started school about that time. I think it was 1920, started school and uh, going to community college, taking classes, but I, it was just a bunch of random classes. I didn't really have a point to what I was doing. Started a family, and then school, after a couple of years, school kind of went by the wayside because of the uh, just too many demands. And then in 2009, I was working for a big engineering firm, and the crash hit, and I found myself out of work, and a lot of time on my hands. and thought, well, this is a good time to go back to school. So I made school my job and pretty much started over and, and just started cranking away at, at knocking out as many hours as I could every week or every semester. And uh, was able to uh, accomplish getting, uh, I ended up, I started out thinking I was gonna change careers and I was gonna go into uh, network administration. So I got two associates degrees in network administration and by the time, and then I got a, a degree in technology management, which was business and the technology side. By the time I finished all that, the market was starting to warm up, and I found out I could make a whole lot more money going back to surveying instead of starting over in in the computer industry. So, so what what what
1: year was that about?
3: That was uh, 2013 when I went back into
1: surveying. So, were you
3: licensed at that time? Were you registered? Correct. I got. My I earned my first license in two thousand one. Oh, Oh, two thousand one. Okay.
1: It was at Arizona. Or Arizona. Was that? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Two thousand nine, and in a lot of cases, people that were in in the surveying industry, um, when that when when that crash happened, a huge percentage of, of, of us left the profession. And in your case, you know, you took advantage of that time to further your education, and as a result, um, you know, probably uh, excelled. Because I'll do to a certain degree. I think it definitely, um, it definitely helped. And
3: I'm a firm believer that any education is good education. You'll be able to use what you learn later at some point in life. And uh, I know now looking back, uh, I look back, I mean, I was managing a, a department with a lot of people under me before 2009. And I look back with what I learned after going back to school and realize, wow, there are so many things I could have done better during that time. So I know I'm able to apply those now. Absolutely.
1: Good for you. So, gosh, you've been surveying for 27 years. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes over the course of that time. What are... Uh,
0: <laughs> From the T2 in a tape? <laughs> From the T2 in the tape, Exactly.
1: <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, you and I have been surveying for about this, the same amount of time, so I'm sure we've experienced a lot of the same things. But, um, you know, what are some of the biggest changes or advancements that, um, that really changed the course of the profession? From, from your perspective.
3: Point, from, from my perspective, and it's probably most surveyors' perspective that have our background, I would say GPS is the biggest game changer. It took surveying from the tripod and put it on the pole. Uh, it's changed the whole dynamic of how we do work in the field, uh, especially in the West. I realize as you go further East that it changes, that you actually have trees that are taller than people and uh, other situations that require that you use a lot of the more traditional types of instruments. But out here in the West, for sure, the the GPS and and then technology overall has, has really affected this industry uh, I think positively. Um, it, of course, there's downsides to it, but it, you know, the the technical technology advances and the GPS have really changed surveying completely.
1: Absolutely, and now of course it's drones and UAVs and lidar and all those things. But the thing that drives me absolutely insane, and I can remember you know using GPS for the first time and how much money my boss at the time spent on that technology and the equipment, is that. We didn't, <laughs> we decreased our fees, basically, for doing the same thing, because now we can do it faster, you know? I was like, oh my God, it's just, surveyors are historically terrible businessmen, let's get that out on the table, first <laughs> and foremost. I agree, I agree. I have been guilty of that myself, so, right? Yeah, it's like, gosh, come on, you just $150,000 on this piece of equipment, now you're reducing your fees? Are you kidding me? You gotta make your money back. Right. Correct. That's across the board, though. Whenever there's an advancement in technology, it seems like that's the direction it goes. Now it's like I said, drones and UAVs. You know, these guys, of course, are you know doing mapping for a fraction of the cost of what traditional photogrammetrists or you know photogrammetry folks are doing. And it's just the exact same thing. It's like why? I mean, why? Why? You know, why? Why leave thirty percent on the table? You know, we're in business to make money. We're just terrible business folks.
0: It's all about that bottom line. Exactly, and it just kills us
1: right uh, on that on that same note you know we're I don't want to sound negative but we're, our, our profession is also facing a lot of challenges right now um, and you know you having a passion for for teaching and um, you know promoting the profession that's something I completely respect about you and appreciate all the time and effort you've put into the to uh, the Boy Scout merit badge, um, you know, here in Arizona, it was it, it had been like thirty years since the Boy Scouts survey merit badge had been offered in Arizona up until about two years ago. We started doing it. Yes, two years and, ago. and you just jumped right in. And were you a Boy Scout? No, I wasn't. Never a Boy Scout. No. Um, so, but 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 you have a passion for that, and yeah, and it, it shows, and it, it's awesome. It, mentoring that's such a huge thing in our, in our profession. I, I like, I'm I'm assuming yourself. I'm very, very fortunate to have had a rock star mentor. And to this day, you know, I still refer to him as my mentor and I I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't be where I'm at in the profession. It wasn't for this gentleman. Uh, Do you have somebody like that in your life as well? Absolutely. Yes, I do. And and he's,
3: he is the reason I am surveying. And that is J O Teague in Tucson. Uh, I think uh, probably a lot of listeners know who he is. Yep. Uh, when I was working for a uh, land development company, I had been doing a lot of construction work for them. They figured out I could do a little bit of math in my head, and so they transitioned me into the survey crew, but I had, uh, horrible survey bosses at that time, and I was, I didn't want anything to do with surveying. They hired J.O. to come in and, and fix what was going on in the survey group, and he changed my mind. He turned me around 180 degrees. Uh, he was pretty smart. I think he read me. Uh, once he figured out that he wanted to keep me around, he took me out looking f- hiking for a whole day looking for old section corners. So we were looking for stones and caps that, that had been set you know, 100, 150 years ago. And that sold me on surveying right there. Blast. But... Jo has been uh, my mentor. I've looked up to him. He he is the reason that I stayed in surveying and went to get registered. What he has taught me about surveying over the years is uh, just invaluable. It, it's it's it was the foundation I started from.
1: Yeah, and I uh, I've gotten to know Jo a little bit over the last few months. Actually, I really. I mean, I was aware of Jo, but I didn't really know him per se. And I sit on a uh, a task force, the Board of Technical Registration task force, to rewrite the minimum standards for Arizona. And Jo's on that task force, and he has so much wisdom that he provides during these meetings. Uh, I just honestly, I just I'm, I'm like the young guy in the room. I just sit back and listen and I'm just like, wow, you know, these guys have been doing it for yeah. so long and you, you got to respect them. So it's awesome that you had a mentor like that. And you're also part of the mentor program, the United Surveyors of Arizona mentor program. Yes. And uh, uh, again, we don't need to go into great detail, but you know, mentoring is, is something we can talk about on a whole nother podcast. But it's so important for the future of our profession. And, you know, kudos to you for uh, for realizing that and, and jumping in and, and, and taking on that responsibility. We're old. We are, <laughs> and and
0: but it, Ken said he was the young guy in the room.
1: Uh, <laughs> one thing I not I'd, this
0: I'd, room. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Jake's title.
3: One of the things I have had the fortunate um, experience of is having some of my future or my past uh, employees go and get registered and become registered surveyors and work their way through the you know. Uh, getting uh, like one of my, I mean, they don't work for me anymore, but they still pursue that going after those, the, the sort of, certif- you know, getting registered and and pursuing that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They followed your lead. That's awesome. Yeah. And then that's kind of, I mean, you got to take great pride in that. I,
3: I do. I, I don't like to be prideful, but I do. Yep. Absolutely. Well,
0: with the APWA conference, I've been there in the last couple of years. I have not caught your presentation. Could you uh, give us a little synopsis of it?
3: Yes. Uh, You know, uh, the idea was born out of uh, one of Kara Jensen's sessions at the Cigar Summit for Sales Professionals. I am not a salesperson, but I went to one of their meetings to find out what it was about, and it was very much about brainstorming on how to get better at just convincing people of what you do to help them. And... At a round table there, they, we talked about what my passion was, and my passion was to help people understand surveying better and make it so it's not so painful. Quite often we'll have a survey project when there's bad communication, things don't go right, and then it becomes difficult to get along and it becomes a painful situation, and some people don't want to hire surveyors or they put off hiring surveying because they're afraid it's going to be difficult. And so we came up with the idea of presenting about pain-free serving and dressing up as a doctor and presenting it in the format, using the analogy of a doctor's appointment and going through the, what, what are your symptoms and, and where are your pain points and what can you do to alleviate those and, and how can you make it so that uh, it's, not, uh, it's
1: not so difficult. I think it's a genius idea. You should like patent that idea and I don't know how you can monetize it. But I, I love it. I think it's awesome.
0: Put it on tape and sell it across the country. Oh, my gosh. Late night infomercial. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Nate the survey doctor. Yeah, They're, I love it. I love it. And the like very
3: first year I did it, there were some very shocked looks in the face or on their faces when I came out with scrubs and I have a stethoscope around my neck. It's awesome. And I start out by telling doctor jokes, and they were like, the <laughs> "Where people, are, pe- we? are we? Are we in the right room?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, people were looking at their programs. Am I in the right place? This is a technical, some, uh, technical right. conference.
0: Got to break and, the ice, baby. And
1: I have to believe that, like most surveyors, you know, we're not the best public speakers. That that whole thing puts you way outside your comfort zone.
3: Uh Yes and no. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I, I, I'm not the most outgoing person. I don't jump up and talk in front of a room all the time. But yeah. I, in my past, I have worked at that. I, mm. I was part of Toastmasters for a few years. Oh, okay. Good, and, yeah. and so I worked at it, so it's not so difficult for
1: That's me. That's awesome.
0: And I've seen this guy in action with the Boy Scouts. He does a great job oh, leading Oh, fantastic. The
1: kids. Yeah, he's awesome. No doubt. Um, let's see. Let's, let's move on here. Um, so... I, I consider you one of the you know. The, first of all, I gotta say we are so lucky to have the guests that we've had have been amazing. And this <laughs> is just like willing. this is our local talent pool. You know, I ask people to come on, they're like, oh, I really don't have much to say. I don't have a story." I'm like, "Listen, everybody's got a story. We'll figure know? it out. We'll, we'll figure pull it, it out, out along the way." And I trust me, it's gonna benefit somebody, and one of our listeners is gonna be able to relate to it, and uh, it's it, 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 it's just fantastic. And if we have this kind of talent here locally, just just wait.
0: Wait till we take the show on the road. Wait when
1: we start, you know, now we're able to have remote guests and that type thing. So, you know, the sky's the limit. And I just I I can't say enough how much I look forward to the future of this podcast and the guests that we're gonna have. That being said, I consider you, Nate, one of the you know one of the more respected surveyors, you know, here here in Arizona. And that being said, and I think you probably touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know what what about you personally, or experiences you've had in the past, um, makes you successful at what you do? I think to
3: start with, there's uh, definitely the support of my family. Um, if there wasn't, if I didn't have my family supporting my wife Janice uh, and my kids, just supporting what I what I wanted to do, th- there was a lot of late nights studying. There was a lot of uh, money spent out of our own to. To achieve this, when I first started pursuing becoming a registered land surveyor, the company I was working for didn't support that. So that came out of our pockets. Uh, So having the support of the family was big. I think my faith is another one. Persistence, definitely persistence. Uh, My wife likes to call it stubbornness, but I call it persistence. (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think they're one in the same. Yeah. I don't know.
0: When it comes to surveyors, I would say stubbornness. My goodness, right? Stubborn. In my view, stubborn,
1: stubborn suckers, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so th- that being said, uh, is there anything you know now that, if you knew when you were younger, maybe just starting out in the profession, would have changed your direction in any way?
3: Well, I was so smart as a young man. I don't know if I could say anything to him. (laughs) (laughs) You knew it all. Oh, I I did. Uh, I think I would tell my younger self to lighten up. Yeah, yeah, there's there's plenty of times to be uh, serious later on in life. I think I've taken life a little too seriously over the years, uh, especially when I was younger. And then also probably buy real estate. If you're young... Suck it up and go buy some real estate because it'll help later.
0: It's not wait and buy land. It's buy land and wait. I learned that when I was like 15 and I still failed at it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, beyond financial motivation, obviously, being a surveyor, is there something more than just the financial gain and personal satisfaction? Um, And then follow up to that. Do you have a mantra to live by? You know, we've had, what was it? uh, Add value and make friends. Yep. Train beyond, the finish line, train beyond the finish line, something, something along those lines that you live by.
3: So my mantra would be do the right thing. When I am faced with a situation, I always look at it and say, well, just what is the right thing? It's not always the most cost effective. It's not always most time effective. Uh, it may mean self-sacrifice, those kinds of things, but it just, what, what's the right thing to do?
1: That's a really good point. And there's, Whenever you are at that point and you have to make that decision, invariably, if you don't do the right thing, the other decision will come back to bite you. It will. It may not be that day or that week or that month or that year, but it'll come back to bite you.
0: Well, especially with you guys surveying your stamps on things for life or it could be hundreds of years.
1: Yep. Yeah.
3: Yeah. There is no statute of limitations in Arizona.
1: Honesty and integrity are, are two things that land surveyors have to have as attributes. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, that's about it. Do you got anything else, Ryan, you want to ask?
0: Um, no, I think, well, we got to ask you the sandwich question. Well, before we get to the we sandwich question, we can never question, forget that. Well, we'll get we there. forgot it once or twice, and we're never going to do it again.
1: Yeah, we'll never forget that again. Um, so, Nate, first of all, uh, again, thank you for being here. Thanks. Much appreciated. Hope you'll come back uh is there anything else that maybe we haven't touched on that you'd like to add to the conversation nothing to add i just want to say thank you for having me it's it's been fun being here
0: no thank you for being here It's always appreciated. Like Ken said, one of the respected guys around town. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I I, one thing I did fail to mention, my apologies. You currently are the survey manager at Wilson and Company, correct? Correct. And how long have you been at Wilson? I've been at Wilson six years now. Six years.
3: Awesome.
0: And and in those six years, I've never seen him without a shirt that says Wilson. Every time I I see Nate, he's got a Wilson (laughs) and
1: Company shirt on. Absolutely.
3: I just imagine he
0: opens his closet and it's just shirts all Wilson and Company. Which one am I going to take today? It's it's (laughs) It's close to that. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a few Hawaiian shirts for vacation time. Producer Jake
1: wants to know if there's any Wilson and Company hats floating around. Oh yeah.
3: Co- I'm there collecting are. those. Yes, I can get I can get a hold of those. You yeah, just you just perfect. made his night. Perfect.
0: Yeah. He's gonna wear it around ASU and you yeah. know entice a few young engineers. Walking
1: billboard. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So go ahead, Ryan. All right. If you had to eat one sandwich for the rest of your life, would it be peanut butter and jelly, grilled cheese, or sloppy joe?
3: I'd have to go with
1: peanut butter and jelly.
0: All right, that's, peanut butter and that's, jelly. That's, I think peanut
1: butter and jelly row. is in the That's no, like three. I think
0: was it three in
2: a row? That could I, be no. That had
0: to be a grilled cheese in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we've had two sloppy joes, and that's including Ken. So that one's just I, we I could think, just cut that one out. I right think now.
2: Abe. He was grilled cheese. No, he was. Uh, we because had because a sloppy Joe because
0: they didn't have sloppy joes back. Yeah, he, yeah <laughs> he didn't know what a
1: sloppy Joe was. So Ryan, you're gonna appreciate the story. I was texting. Uh, so there's a, a local bar by my house called CJ Tally's. Free plug. Don't get used to
0: it. May have been there once or twice. (laughs) Ryan and I
1: (laughs) may have spent too much money there a couple times. I have no idea. So CJ is the owner of CJ Tallies. And he and I, you know, we text back and forth, blah, blah, blah. And I am like begging him to get a sloppy Joe on the menu, right? So my proposal last night, as a matter of fact, via text was, CJ, let's do a sloppy CJ, right? (laughs) So it's a sloppy grilled cheese and sloppy joe uh-huh, so combining uh, combining exactly
0: do you think you have a problem when you are texting and have the personal number of a bar owner yes <laughs> i'm not I gonna deny my, it <laughs> i've spent my fair share of time in the bar but i don't have that i've never had that <laughs> all
1: right fantastic well nate again thank you for being here fantastic guest and uh that being said i think we're uh, i think we're out of here well we
0: gotta we gotta Give a mention to XYHT's Measure This podcast. Absolutely. There are brothers in uh, podcast arms.
1: Yep. There's not very many of us out there, so we got to help each other out. Like Ryan said, XYHT, Measure This. Thanks again to Social Hall. Studio One is, uh, like I said, there's there's nothing like Studio One. I can't wait till we get some video because this is like the most intimate room. We may have to clean it up a little bit. It's just freaking awesome. I love being here. I look forward to it every week. Uh, except for when Jake's on vacation of course check out the Geoholics at don't do it triple dub Ah. thegeoholics.com you can also uh, listen to us on iTunes and we also have a Twitter page Geoholics check us out
0: let Carol Pacey take us out and uh, everybody have a great week be safe everyone